Welcome to the Calvary Baltimore Sermon Podcast. Great to have you with us. Calvary meets in the Jaffa Falston area north of Baltimore, and our pastor is Josh Plantholt. If you're nearby on a Sunday, come join us. For all the details, go to our website at calvarychapelbaltimore.org. And now, here's this week's teaching. We are in Acts chapter 16. How about that for a curveball? So when I was preparing to do our baptism study last week, I, um, I really wanted to share a story with you, which we simply did not have time for. So I had this great idea on Monday. Let me just look at it. You ever, you ever decide to window shop and go, I'm just going to look at it. And then you end up buying the whole thing. So I, I ended up... I ended up Looking at Acts chapter 16, and I was so fired up. Uh, and I started writing, and by the time I was done, we had today's uh, sermon, which needed some work, but it just started the flow. So anyways, uh, we're, we're in Acts chapter 16 today, and it, we're, this is a story in two parts, pre-earthquake, post-earthquake, and we're going to do pre-earthquake today and post-earthquake next week, which is on a topic of baptism, which I thought would be pr- appropriate uh, for the day that we do baptisms. So our uh, attention is going to be largely placed on verse 25, but our story picks up at verse 16. <clears throat> and this is a wild story. I mean, really cool. Um, so let's get into this. Acts 16, verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, this is Paul and Silas. They are in the city of Philippi. This is a city between five and 10,000 people. Uh, we met. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. So she had some connection to the demonic realm, and she used that connection to make money. She's a diviner and oracle for hire. And it says, and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So apparently, she was very good at her job. And at the same time, she was a slave, and her owners liked her because they made them lots of money. Verse 17, she followed Paul and, and, uh, Paul and, and Cyrus, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, as we... Uh, here we see that she sees Paul and Silas, and very much like the demons in Luke 4.41, you want to think about the book of Luke and the book of Acts as two volumes of the same work. And especially when you're doing word studies, you, you want to see, if you see a word, you want to look at it in Luke and Acts and vice versa, because Luke's being intentional about his languaging here. Well, th- this is exactly what the, uh, the, the demons did in Luke 4.41. They cried out when they sensed the power of Jesus, the power of God on Paul and Silas. Verse 18, and this she kept doing for many days. Now, at first, I'm sure Paul and Silas are going, hey, the town oracle even knows we're, we're on a special mission from God. But this goes on for days, her screaming. So after a while, this actually became a tool of the enemy. Guess what you can't do when someone's screaming? Have a civil conversation around anything. They probably can't even present the gospel around this woman. Then it goes on, Paul, having become greatly annoyed, I love that, 
turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Isn't that great? The Apostle Paul's annoyed. You don't typically think about apostles being people who are annoyed, do you? Especially if you grew up in the Catholic Church, they're always hum, and they got a, they got a halo at all times at the breakfast table, hum. But here Paul is like, I'm going to kill someone. I'm going to kill someone. You know, he's, he's greatly annoyed. Uh, and it says she cried out for many days. But what I love, if you notice, it says, and Paul turned to cast out the demon. You know what this tells us? This woman's chasing them around the city, screaming. She's making this great scene. So finally, after days of this, he turns around and he goes, you know what? In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, demon, get out of here. And finally, the demon is cast out. And of course, the demon listened because Paul came with the power of God. Verse 19, I, I love this, listen to this. <clears throat> but when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and are, they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us Romans to accept or practice. We have to pause here. Notice who the real problem of the story is. This is a really good word for us in our day. These evil businessmen were more problematic than the demon possessed. Tyrannical rulers were more problematic than those literally filled with demons. The, the, these men seem to be more out of control than the evil spirit. And also notice the evil businessmen appealed to culture in order to arrest Paul and Silas. The, these men are speaking about, we are Romans. We are a civil law and abiding people with great culture. And yet they're dragging two innocent men through the streets. The, the, their words betray their very own behavior. Then verse 22. The crowd joined in attacking them. <clears throat> and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. Very civil, huh? And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, that's a word you may want to underline, many, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Paul and Silas, in the name of order and Roman civility, are stripped of their clothes and are beaten in the streets, butt naked. And this is a way to humiliate them. You don't have great respect as a public orator uh, and a debater when the whole town's seen you naked and beaten. So they think, okay, we'll get these guys to shut up. And again, they say they want order and civility, but, but here there is a mob stripping two men naked in the road and beating them with rods for all to see. And, and again, I think this isn't the subject of our, of our teaching, but we have to see the pattern of evil here. We, evil men and women talk about peace 
and justice and equality and the greater good, but by their actions, they show the exact opposite. Evil leaders lie. And why? Because as we saw, why why did this whole scene start? Because they were losing money. It was about them and their power and their wealth. And they got the commoners stirred up. Verse 24. Having received this order, he, the jailer, put them into the inner prison. So that he's not, they're not just in a prison, they're in the inner prison. They're in the prison prison. And fastened their feet in the stocks. So Paul and Silas are in the inner prison, in the depths of the prison, the heart of the prison. They are behind bars, and their feet are in stocks. Do you know what those are? Have you ever seen someone in wooden stocks with the heads through and the arms are through? Well, they also had such a thing as foot stocks. Paul and Silas are in foot stocks. They cannot go anywhere. They cannot lay down. They cannot move. They are stuck in a horribly uncomfortable position while also having just been beaten with rods. And again, you must be going, well, these must be two horrible criminals to be in the worst, in maximum security, in wooden stocks. No, these are just two innocent men who casted out a demon. Now, verse 25 hit me so hard. This is what I, when I looked at verse 25 on, on, on Monday and I started writing, this is where we got our whole sermon. I just couldn't help it. Uh, I was planning to preach all the way to verse 40, but what a, what a dream that was. Um, so we're going to study verse 25 today and we're going to do 26 through 40 next week. And I think I can finish it. I really do. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas... You know what, let's pause. Let's just, we gotta, we gotta do this. You have been stripped naked in front of 5,000 people or 2,000 people or a few hundred people or two people. Beaten with rods, thrown into an inner jail, feet shackled, uncomfortable, cold, clothes are torn, the ribbons. You've been completely treated unjustly and now you're in a prison in a strange place held captive by a people who look at you as an outsider and an enemy. You're in pain, you're uncomfortable, you're sleep-deprived. And notice what Paul and Silas are doing. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. I read that and I'm like, oh God, this is so good. Three thoughts, that's our reading for today. First, it's midnight. Whenever you see midnight in the Bible, we should be clued uh, to the first Passover. That the Passover in Egypt took place specifically at midnight. So there there may be some Passover themes here, which I'm going to talk about a lot tomorrow, and you should catch out our Bible study at 10. But clearly what we do know is that Paul and Silas are in jail with seemingly no windows, Tied up in wooden stocks, beaten, bloody, bruised. And so they aren't asleep because obviously they're probably in too much pain to sleep. uh, And they're uncomfortable. And and what Acts 16 has laid out is just how miserable of the situation Paul and Silas are in. And then secondly, notice what Paul and Silas are doing. They're praying and singing hymns. (laughs) 
They are beaten with rods and placed in stocks. And what do they decide to do with the moment? Praise God. Praise God. The, the church father Tertullian said of this story, the legs feel nothing in the stocks when the heart is in heaven. The legs feel nothing in the stocks when the heart is in heaven. Loved ones, we have to see here plain as day that when you are in the stocks, <laughs> when you are in seasons within the stocks, sing. Sing and pray. There is so much brutality and suffering and injustice in this life under the sun. But the legs feel nothing in the stocks when the heart is in heaven. Pray and sing. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Here Paul and Silas have been lied about, dragged about, stripped, beaten, humiliated, jailed, and stocked. But their mind is stayed on the Lord. And what do they have? Perfect peace. And you may be thinking, no human can possibly go through this and stay in perfect peace. And in a sense, you're right. Who can find peace and joy after all these things? I'm frustrated if I have a bad meal. Who can go through this in the midst of all of this and pray? Praise the Lord, my thumb's broken. You know, who can pray like this? And what I would say to you is it is impossible for man to find this kind of joy and peace within himself. But this is something God gifts to us. God gifts his people a supernatural provision in their time of need. You have to know this. If you have a health event coming around the corner, you're right. You can't possibly face this, but God will equip you when it comes. Jesus said in John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus gives his people a different kind of peace. Another worldly peace, a peace that if we would receive it, we too could sing within the stocks. And then thirdly, verse 25 tells us that the prisoners were listening. Have you ever just been going through hell? And then at some point you realize, my God, people are watching how I handle this. Yes. The prisoners were listening. Isn't that something else? If there was ever a time in a man's life where he could justify focusing on himself or staying depressed, surely it would be when he is in pain, uncomfortable, Treated unjustly, right? I'm sure there was a great temptation because we have to remember, Paul and Silas aren't da, 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 super Christians. They're people. They're people that God has touched and equipped. Uh, there had to have been a great temptation for Paul and Silas to just sit there and try to rest. 
to try to gain strength, to just, you ever just want to sit somewhere and just be sad? I've earned this. But instead, they pray out loud and sing. And assuming they were arrested during the day, what time is it? Midnight. They've been praying and singing for hours. You ever do anything for hours? (laughs) Besides Thanksgiving dinner, right? You ever pray for hours? Singing for hours? Now let's throw some lacerations and bruises on there. You think you're making it that long? And now Paul and Silas have become a spectacle. The whole prison is listening to those two crazy guys in maximum security. And they're they're having genuine praise and joy for hours. And think about the prisoners who had been in that jail for a few days, a few weeks, a few months. Day in and day out, these prison halls echoed with moaning and groaning and crying and pleading. But on this day, in midnight, in a windowless, damp, dirty inner jail in Philippi, For the first time ever, the presence, the physical presence of the kingdom of God was there. There was a perfect, abounding peace and joy that everyone couldn't help but to listen to. And the prisoners, and and next week we'll see the guard, are going to be so moved by this. People are watching your suffering. And God will use it. Here Paul and Silas, with with every excuse in the world to just tend to their own wounds and focus on themselves, they are using this, even this, their cuts and bruises and imprisonment and stocks for the glory of God. Now in a few years, Paul would write a letter to the church in Philippi. And we have that letter today. You know what it's called? The book of Philippians. (laughs) And in that letter, in the fourth chapter, Paul writes uh, writes this to the church in Philippi. And to understand the context, if you want to turn there, we're going to be here for a while. Philippians 4, we're going to start at verse 4. The church of Philippians is marked by joy. It's the joyful church. And you know what's so fascinating about Philippi? It's also a church under tremendous persecution. It's a church that's living life within the stocks. And they're full of joy. And Paul could not be more proud of them. So I want to read this to you. Philippians 4 verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Isn't that wonderful? Also feels impossible in the stocks. But here we are. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. No matter where you are, no matter what you are suffering, no matter how cruel the enemy, what's Paul's command to the church? Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. That's Paul's anthem to us. You suffering with something? Rejoice, brothers and sisters. All believers must rejoice. And why? For the Lord is at hand. Is Paul a liar? 
How's the Lord at hand? Because we're all going to meet the Lord one of two ways. Either he comes and get, uh, gets us or we come and meet him. But the Lord is at hand for every single one of us. Rejoice. And what a word of wisdom here, a little footnote, to remain reasonable. <laughs> you know, Paul knows that when you're dealing with unreasonable people, you want to lash out. Wasn't he greatly annoyed in today's story? But notice who Paul says should recognize our reasonableness. Everyone. Paul is instructing us to be a people of reason amongst unreasonable people. You know what that Greek word reasonable carries with, with it? It, mean, it carries with it gentleness. You ever dealing with someone who's just completely unreasonable and out of their mind? You know what, you know what Paul's response is? Be gentle with them. Peter in 1 Peter 3 said to give a defense with gentleness and respect. We shouldn't be people who lash out. If they're going to hate you and scream at you and throw you in jail and kill you, let them do it without a reason. Then Paul goes on to say to the church in Philippi in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Isn't this exactly what Paul and Silas did amongst this church in Philippi? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, if you give it to God and pray and rejoice, God, God will guard your emotions and minds. God will give you peace. You didn't attain it. You didn't earn it. You didn't will it up. God gave it. This is not a matter of the will. This is a matter of God's gifting. Now Paul's going to say that we have a part to play in this, but first establishes that the peace and joy and reasonableness that Paul has that allows him to sing within the stocks has come first as a gift from God. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Though God gives us joy and peace, there is also a sense that we must participate and receive it. Truth, honor, justice, purity, loveliness. These are all things from God. This is not man's creation. This is not from the evil one. No, these beautiful things come from God. And we must think on these things. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 9, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me... Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I fully believe that Paul wrote this letter to a people who some of them were in that jail that night. And they had personally heard and seen and felt the presence that God provides. And now Paul tells them very much to the detriment of his own legend. Paul is saying that this peace did not come from within himself. Couldn't Paul... Paul Pull the super apostle card. Yes, I am amazing. He blows apart his own legend and goes, I am nothing. It all comes from the Lord. 
Only God can provide this kind of peace. But then Paul tells them, he tells us that there is also the matter of the mind. That we must set our mind on things that are worthy of praise. Loved ones, I cannot cannot stress this enough. If day in and and day out, you are feeding your thought life junk, then do not be discouraged or surprised if you have an absence of joy. If you struggle with joy, what are you feeding your mind all day? If you ha- don't, do not be surprised if you have an absence of peace. Do not be surprised if you have an absence of reasonableness. And an absence of a deep relational communion with God. For example, the news. Nothing wrong with the news. There's nothing wrong with being informed. But if you watch it long enough and dwell on it long enough, you're going to start focusing on the stocks. And social media. There's nothing wrong with social media. Nothing wrong with connecting with others. But if you watch it long enough and dwell on it long enough, you'll start to focus on the stocks. Start to think everyone else looks happy. Everyone else gets out and has fun. I'm eating cereal for dinner. They're at Salt Bay's. You know, getting. Everyone else looks better, more fit, more attractive, more money. Their husband has all their hair. What's the deal with that? Or worse, sin becomes normalized. Everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is wearing it. Everyone else is saying it. Everyone else is thinking it. And this too can become the stocks. Do not be ignorant of the schemes of the devil. He is working overtime to steal the church's eyes off its husband. And to lead us into temptation and to deliver us into evil. And I want to let you know that there is a great temptation to pull our eyes off of God in our suffering, but that there's also a great temptation to pull our eyes off of God in our comfortability. David was never in more trouble than when he was walking alone in his palace. We have to, Hebrews 12, to keep our eyes on Christ, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Now, Paul continues to say to the church in Philippi 4.10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received uh, your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you, have no, uh, you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Whew. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. He learned how to, the the secret in wealth and poverty. Do you notice there's a temptation in both? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It is God who strengthens. This is the theme. Everyone likes to go focus on whatever's lovely. Focus. That's true. But the context is, is that those are gifts God gives us and we need to receive them. 
Paul says, I have learned the secret. That Greek word is mueo. I just wanted to say mu. But it says mueo, meaning to have found out the instruction. It's almost as if Paul, when he says secret, it's almost as if he finally opened a door and peeked inside, is how that word describes. And Paul is saying, I have learned the mueo, the, the mystery of suffering well. And then he tells us what that mystery is when he says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's what I desire to communicate to you today. God has not, nor will he ever abandon his people. Was Paul and Silas abandoned in that prison? Don't you sure think the temptation to feel that way was present? <laughs> You ever just wake up and not feel good and that temptation is present? <laughs> this morning. I was so tired when I woke up today. Someone else has got to preach today, God. No, I was excited. Also sleepy, but I was excited. But Paul and Silas knew that even in their inner, filthy, dirty, painful, dark place, that God would supply their every need. And loved ones, that's the secret. That's the secret that the church must learn. Through faith in Jesus, in Christ, in the Spirit, Christ is near and equips and gifts his people to do all things. Not just some things, all things. Then Paul adds in verse 14, we're going to keep reading. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me. You believe that? Paul's going city to city and people are going, nah, not interested. And receiving and no, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except only you. As we connect today's story in Acts 16 to the letter of Philippians, we see that Paul left Macedonia with no church partnerships in his second journey. There appealed, appeared to be little fruit in this entire region of Macedonia to Paul. And then they get to Philippi, and this crazy woman won't leave them alone. And then they get stripped naked and beaten in front of the whole town. Gotta, sure, this is going to start a church real easy now. And then they're in jail. Paul has just suffered loss after loss after loss in each city he went to. Here we go again. God, you sent me on this trip. For a month, I've just had humiliation after humiliation and turndown after turndown. And the temptation of despair must have been so great. But instead, Paul knew the mystery and the secret of suffering well, didn't he? And so Paul and Silas, they prayed and sang loudly. And boom, a church was born. The church of Philippi began in that jail. Loved ones, we, we are not just seeing how to say, stay strong in suffering. We're also being instructed today in fruit bearing. It is precisely when we suffer 
that the jailers are listening, that the prisoners are listening. And as we suffer well in joy, in peace, in prayer, in singing, God so honors that. I was studying a church history account from the first century about how Christians in Rome were taken to the Colosseums with their kids and were eaten by lions just for not pinching a little incense to the altar of Caesar. They were willing to die for that. (laughs) There goes that government mandate. And uh, (laughs) I had to, I'm sorry. Um, And after a few hundred and a few thousand All the spectators in those coliseums, they started to be so moved because they said, we don't have anything in our lives that we feel that strongly about. And slowly Rome became Christian through the death of those eaten for their faith. The prisoners were watching. The guards were watching. So I want to encourage you to think on these things, on godly things, and then seek God in prayer and song and study and fellowship and seek him. This is, the, this is part of the, the, the beauty of this all. You don't just study for you. When you internalize and absorb the word of God and it changes you, people then study you. This is impacting those who are listening and watching you. And often we never bear more fruit than in our suffering. You know what someone's about when they're uncomfortable. You know what someone's about when when they're in pain. And if your hope is stayed on the Lord and you have perfect peace, people notice. And if we would focus our minds on good and godly things, God would not only bless us with joy and peace, but he would use it also to grow and strengthen his church. Because let's be honest, the only reason you still have breath in your lungs is because God's not done with you. And your job as a believer is to grow the church. You are, what's, what is the purpose of life? To grow Christ's church. Bring God glory, enjoy him forever, which includes growing his church. And so let's close here. I I want us to not just be hearers of the word. I want us to be doers. So I asked Maria to sing two songs today as we close. And I want us to sing. I want us to believe it and live it. And if you're in the stocks, no better reason. No better reason to sing all the more loudly. Because you know what? When you put your mind on Christ, he gifts you joy and peace. Reach out and grab it, loved ones. And the temptation to not do that is great. But this is the mystery. This is the secret. If you grab it, the Lord is faithful to provide it. Let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We thank you for the story. Uh, we, we ask that you would continue to grow it and bless it and, and water it in our, in our hearts this week and heading into the next. God, we ask for uh, a supernatural gifting of joy and peace within our lives. God, we pray that where we are filling our minds and our hearts and our ears with junk, God, we ask that you're Your Holy Spirit would convict us so mightily that we may lose absolute joy in things that are absolute filth. 
help, help us to have it just spew filth out of our mouth, God. We, we do pray. And God, we pray that uh, for those of our brothers and sisters that are in the stocks, uh, notice that Paul wasn't alone. He had a Silas. Let, God, let us be a Silas today. Let us come along those within the stocks and sing and pray with them. God, use us mightily. God, we ask that you would so strengthen us and, and guide us and encourage us and, and, and prod and poke us where we need to be prod and poked. And, and remind us, God, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So God, renew us today. We do pray. We ask for anyone in here that does not know you, Lord, that, that you would so capture their hearts and their minds and, and let them from this moment forward be resolved to live for you and your glory. And if they do not know what that is, God, you have brought them to a place that studies the word. Let them seek someone who knows the word that they may walk alongside of them and, and show them. God, please add to your church today. We do pray and strengthen our brothers and sisters that need it. If anyone needs special prayer today, we have two people to pray with by the side here. Um, and God, we, we do pray that you would, you would bless us now. And in Jesus' name, be with us as we go. And all who agreed said, amen. Let's stand and worship. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Calvary Baltimore. Please keep in touch. Send us an email with your questions, prayer requests, or just to say hi. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is calvary.faithlife at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate to support the work God is doing through Calvary Baltimore, go to calvarychapelbaltimore.org and click Donate Now. And if you're in the area, stop by on a Sunday morning. For directions and service times, go to our website at calvarychapelbaltimore.org. Finally, if you're unable to come see us in person, we also live stream on our website and on our Facebook page. We hope you've been blessed by this week's teaching. Until next time, keep drawing closer to God through the reading of His Word. And join us again for the next Calvary Baltimore Sermon Podcast. Calvary Baltimore Sermon Podcast